Are you excited to be in church today? Let me hear a what, what? Hey, time change ain't stopping anybody around here. We decided to show up and have some fun and grow in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I am so excited to be hanging out with you. Some of you might be asking, Clayton, how do I know that God loves Jerry Harris more than me? It's because when Jerry preaches, it doesn't snow on Thursday, and he doesn't get the time change weeks. That's how I know that God loves Jerry more than me. I had an opportunity, what was it, two weeks ago? Time's been going fast. Um, to go to a pastor's conference. While I was there, I met a gentleman by the name of Glenn Elliott. You can look him up on Facebook. He is a part of Pantano Christian Church in uh, Arizona. And he used to be a missionary in um, the Ukraine. And he posts uh, updates every single day of how uh, the church is doing and how people are responding and it's been a great way to kind of just um, keep tabs on what's happening through a Christian perspective. While I was talking to him, um, we started interacting this past weekend back and forth. And he said that uh, uh, one of the pastors that he knows heard that there were some um, kids in an orphanage who had um, been abandoned. And he went and he found them and they were in a bomb shelter 57 kids, I think it's 57 or 56, zero to four-year-olds sleeping on the floor in a, in a damp bomb shelter. Him and the church went in, they grabbed all those kids, they took them to their church basement. They've been providing them round-the-clock care. Uh, that round-the-clock care is getting expensive because obviously uh, prices are going through the roof. And I want you to know that this past uh, Wednesday, our church sent a check for $10,000 on behalf of every single person. Uh, we sent a dollar on behalf of every single person who's going to be hearing this message this weekend. And for those of you who partner with The Crossing financially, I just want to say a big thank you. Because you've put our church in a position where when we hear of a need, we can immediately respond and have the space to do so. And I want you to know that what you're doing is not just blessing uh, our region, but it's having worldwide impact in things that you're seeing on the news right now. And to thank that those kids are being loved and cared for out of just our normal act of obedience. And I am just so proud to be a part of this church alongside of you. And if there are other needs that arise, we will respond again as long as God uh, makes us able. Well, we are in this sermon series called Better, How to Win at Home. And we started off this sermon series talking about how we as a church believe, and I hope you believe this too, that God can redeem broken things. And we talked about kintsugi, which is when a piece of pottery gets broken, that is not the end of its life. It only represents one moment in its history. And that God can take his beautiful golden finger of restoration and he can put us back together and he can put us back together in such a way that it almost appears more beautiful than when before we were broken. And then Jerry uh, spent some time talking about the best way for your family to win is for you to have a really strong foundation. And we believe here at the crossing that there is no better foundation than the rock of Jesus Christ. That through him, you can weather every storm. You can overcome every obstacle and every challenge that when you hold on to him, you are holding on to the only thing that you need to hold on to. You can hold on to money, but that can disappear. You can hold on to friends, but they can have their own challenges. You can hold on to politics, you can hold on to whatever you want to, but I'm telling you what, unless you're holding on to Jesus, unless you're building your life on Jesus, eventually 
it will fail. And last week, Jerry talked about marriage, and he discussed how we are generally wired around gender and how we are generally wired uh, emotionally. And that was a great uh, opportunity for us to, to kind of think through how we were doing it. Jennifer and I were laughing through that message as we recognized the differences in us. And then we challenged you all to go on a crossing date night. And uh, I've been watching on social media as many of you guys have taken that challenge and, and enjoyed that. Jennifer and I enjoyed watching it. We decided to do our date on Friday and we did a drive through date and she got to pick what she wanted for me to eat off Panera and I left very hungry, uh, just so you know, very, very hungry. And it was kind of funny, maybe some of you guys had the same experience. Uh, we were kind of like, all right, let's get through this, let's do these things and all right, let's punch out question number one or let's punch out envelope number two, let's punch out number three. And then it started to slow way down. And we started to have a deep and meaningful conversation. And over the course of that hour, we decided we could just, things just start, we started to connect even deeper and have conversations that maybe we've been wanting to have, but just haven't had the right context to have. And so if you haven't done that yet, I want to encourage you, it will be a blessing to you, your kids, your family, for you to go on that journey, take the challenge. If you don't have stuff, talk to your campus pastor, he'll get you hooked up. But today, we're going to talk about parenting. But listen to me. This message is not just for parents, it's not just for grandparents, it's for you. Because I believe that the principles we're going to talk about in this message apply first and foremost to you as a person, to you as a Christ follower. And this sermon will be a little bit different than a lot of the sermons I preach, so just kind of hang on to the end. But I really have a desire to put tools in your tool belt to be able to handle the different challenges that you're going to face. And one of the hardest things you'll ever do is raise a child. Those of you who are parents or are grandparents, you'll say amen. Yeah, it's stinking hard. Uh, Jim Gaffigan was once asked what it's like to have four kids. And he said, imagine uh, you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. That's what it's like having four kids. That's why Jennifer and I had three. We're like, we're not good swimmers. We're done, okay? We can't, we can't do this. Uh, it was, uh, someone once said that um, motherhood is an extreme sport. That's why women are always wearing workout clothes. Okay, they're like, it's just, that's just how it is. Jerry Seinfeld said having a two-year-old is like having a blender that's on, but you don't have the top for it. Those of you who have two-year-olds, you're like, yeah, preach, Clayton, preach. Um, how many of you, this will be fun, how many of you ladies, come on, help me out here, uh, kind of wish deep down inside that you were a Pinterest mom, but you realize you're Amazon Prime. You're an Amazon Prime mom? Yeah, we're an Amazon Prime church, preach, okay? Yeah, that's us. Um, word of warning to those of you who are going, man, we just, we just can't wait to have kids. Um, it looks so much fun. I mean, we just ugh, can't wait. Um, here's a little uh, test for you. Just go home today, find uh, any cartoon, the, actually any of them, but find an annoying one. and Just leave it on all day loud. <laughs> and do that all week. And just know that that's the next four years of your life if you just have one kid, Okay. If you have two years, you could be stuck in a decade of Hannah Montana, okay, or whatever it is. It gets bad. I, I remember us just walking around the house going, when does this stop? Um, and those of you who are fresh to parenting, I want to give you a pro tip. Those of you who have been there before, you know the truth about what I'm about to say. But to those of you who are like, man, we're, we're just having a hard time, like, finding our kids. Like, sometimes you're like, where are all my kids? How do I get them to listen to me? How do I find them all? Here's all you have to do. Just sit down on the toilet and they will find you. You won't hear them for a long time. You're like, where are they? Kids, kids, 
nothing. You sit down on the toilet. Dad, dad, leave me alone, okay? Get away from me. This is not a good time, okay? Um, so if you are a person who's thinking about having kids or maybe you are, uh, I want you to know this message is for you. If you're pregnant, this message is for you. If you are navigating the challenges of the terrible twos, this message is for you. If you're dealing with the murky waters of elementary and junior high school, this message is for you. If you're dealing with high school students, I don't have any hope for you. Uh, this, I'm joking. This message is for you. If you are holding on and holding your breath as your kids are leaving high school into the great unknown, this message is for you. If you've already raised your kids but you still have a minivan because you're picking up the grandkids, this message is for you. If you are a person who just wants to be a Jesus follower, this message is for you. I believe deep down inside, every parent, every uh, deep down inside, they want to be able to say what John says in 3 John chapter 1. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Parents, is this not your heart? That deep down inside, one day you want to be able to say, my kids are walking in the truth. That nothing would fill your heart up more. Not that they have a job, not that they're happily married, but that they are walking in the truth. And the truth is that they are walking in the ways of Jesus. And we can feel incredible pressure to try and make uh, our kids turn out okay, better come out better off than we did, avoid some of the same disastrous mistakes that we made. And having a child is like having your heart walk around outside of your body and there's not enough bubble wrap in the world to protect them. And I need you to hear me say this. When it comes to parenting, you are responsible for your part. Your part. And there are different parts that come into play when it is raising a kid. I mean, there's your part and then there's God's part and then there's their part. And parents, I need you to hear me say this, you do not do God's part, and you're not responsible for their part. You are responsible for, everybody say it with me, your part. Now, I got good news for you. God always does his part. And God has also equipped you with his word as a guide to do your part, and he's equipped you with his spirit to help you do your part, but you can't do their part. Here is a truth that we all have to recognize, that when we are dealing with our kids, the younger they are, the more control we have, and the older they get, the less control we have. And some of you are like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, when your kid is like, you know, car seat age, you have all the control in the world, all of it. Like, you control everything. You, you, when they're in the car seat, I know some of you, you're like, when do I get out of the car seat stage where I have to keep lugging this thing around everywhere? Listen, don't despise the car seat stage because you are in absolute control in car seat stage. And when they're like five, you say things like this, because I said so. Because you're in control. Try that when they're 30. Because I said so. Okay, mom. 
And half of you are like, what is that? I don't understand what that is. <laughs> okay? You actually, it's not even that. You just end the conversation over text. You don't even know how to talk on the phone. Okay? Over time, we lose control. But at the same time that we are losing control, there is an opportunity for us as parents that as we go down in the control, we have the opportunity to go up in the area of being a consultant. You're not a consultant when they're five. You're a dictator. Yeah. You dictate everything. You prepare every meal. They make, you make all the financial decisions. You pick out their clothes. You even put their clothes on them. But when they're like 25 to 40, at best, you're a consultant. And you will spend most of your life as a parent in the consultant stage, not the control stage. And the way you make sure that they have a good uh, future and that you get to be a part of that future is how we manage the transition out of control and into consultant. And one of the ways that we do this is with circles. And everyone needs a circle. I want to give a shout out to Josh Bailey, who's a part of our 48th Street campus, who helped me uh, put some of the language around this message. And every single person needs a circle. And it is through these circles that we get to learn how to do our part. Now let me show you what I mean by a circle. Um, let's take a kid. We'll name this kid Emerson, okay? Now, uh, this kid has a circle. He has a parents. He has a mom and a dad. And beyond that, he has a family, extended family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, uh, grandmas, all of those things, nephews, nieces, all of those people become the family. And beyond that, there has another circle. These are the coaches, teachers, band directors, choir uh, directors. All these people become a part of, the, of their circle. And then you've got their friends that they put in their circle. And beyond that, maybe you're a kind of person who believes in church and they have church people that are part of their circle. And all of these circles help create a perfect environment for Emerson to grow and develop and become a Jesus follower. And when there are breaks inside of one of these circles, the other circle fills in the gap. Grandparents, I just wanna say thank you. I see a lot of grandparents bringing their grandkids to church. You're filling in the gap. I know some of you, you, you make investments in kids that are not your kids because you want to help fill in the gaps. Now, let me show you how important circles are because nobody was ever designed to be alone. It was in the perfection of Eden that God looked at Adam and said, it is not good for man to be alone. He put a circle around him. When Jesus came, Jesus, who is perfect and all-powerful, came to earth before he started his earthly ministry, do you know what Jesus did? He made a, he made a circle. He had an inner circle, James or Peter, James, and John were his inner three. Then he had another circle, the remaining nine, and those three uh, plus nine made up his apostles. Beyond the circle of the 12, he had the 72. Beyond the 72, he had the 120. Beyond the 120, he had the multitudes. In fact, Jesus is a circle unto himself. You have God, you have the Spirit, and you have the Son. The Trinity are their own circle. And another way of looking at a circle is to see it as a boardroom. And here is a question. If you are the company, who are making the decisions for your life? 
because you are not making those decisions by yourself. There is a boardroom. There are circles at play in your life. And as you think about your kids, as you think about you, quick question, this will be an exercise for you when you get home. Who are the 8 to 12 loudest voices in your life? Who sits in the boardroom of your life? Another question, who sits in the boardroom of your kid's life? You, we've all heard the phrase that it takes a village to raise a child. Let me take a quick break for just a second. Um, there is a, a, a young lady on a staff at our church who works in our multi-site offices on my team. And her and her husband put together a ministry called Connect. And what they try to do is they, are a, they try to fill in the gaps in circles for foster and adoptive parents and biological families who are navigating uh, foster care and adoption. And they kind of come around and try to love and support them as they go through that process. And if you were to go to my Facebook page, my Instagram page, there is a link to where you can actually buy this sweatshirt or this sweatshirt in different colors. Um, and the proceeds from that actually go to resource them so that they can fill in the circle for other people. And if you're the kind of person who wears clothes, um, this is a great way for you to do that, okay? Um, if you're going, yeah, I, you know, I definitely need something for tomorrow or in a couple weeks. Like, you know, you can buy one of these. And what it'll do is it'll actually help foster an adoptive um, parents and it'll help people who are trying to be circle makers for other people. Um, there was a phrase that I heard, I asked this on Thursday night and almost nobody raised their hands. I don't know if, if I just, you know, you guys are smarter than them or not. So let me, how many of you have heard that your life will be the average of your five closest friends? Okay, I, okay, so I guess we're 0 for 2. Um, a long time ago, sociologists put together the, uh, some facts and what they realized is that your life will be the average of your five closest friends. You will make about the average of your five closest friends. Your marriage will be about the average of your five closest friends. Uh, the way you navigate life, your happiness quotient will be the average of your five closest friends. So who you surround yourself with matters. Well, they did, sociologists did an even deeper dive into this, and what they found out was it's not just the average of your five closest friends, but it's the average of your five closest friends' five closest friends. They tracked this through two factors. One was obesity, and the other one was drug use. So check this out, okay? Obese, if you have an obese uh, group of people in your friend group, uh, you are 45% more likely to gain weight over the next two to four years. Some of you just unfriended me, okay? You just were like, wow, I cannot be friends with that guy. I love my family too much. I get it. I can't be friends with me either. But check this out. If a friend of a friend becomes obese, your likelihood of gaining weight increases by 20%. When it comes to drug use, if you have a friend in your circle, uh, you are 61% more likely uh, that uses drugs. You are 61% more likely to use drugs yourself. If you have a friend of a friend, you're 29% more likely. If you have a friend of a friend of a friend, you're 11%. Then they tracked it through happiness. And a friend of a friend of a friend who is happy you have a 6% chance, or you are 6% more likely to, be, uh, to become happier, or you will experience a 6% increase in your happiness quotient. And you're like, 6%? 
that's not that much. Okay, let me quantify it for you. If today your boss were to call you up and give you a $10,000 raise, that would increase your happiness quotient by 2%. Who you have in your circle is more important than how much you make to your happiness quotient. Who you put in your circle matters. The friends of your friends of your kids end up having significant influence. The Bible told us this a long time ago. It knew this way before sociologists were invented. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 13. Walk with the wise and, we, and become, everybody say this? Yeah. For a companion of fools suffers, who you put in your circle matters. Well, let's go back to this uh, control graphic and consultant graphic. When you are looking at your kids, the younger your child is, the more control you have. You control who's in their friend group. You control who's in the boardroom. As your child gets older, when they're 15, I mean, they're still maybe asking you, hey, you know, uh, can, I, can I go to my friend's house? Because you're the one driving them, right? But you also recognize that there's things that they're not asking you anymore. When your kid finds himself in their 20s, how much control do you have? I mean, if you're paying for college, you have some. When they're in their 30s, what control do you have? Like, I guess whether or not you're going to leave them in the will, whether or not you're going to watch their kids, like you have almost no control. And if you have almost no control and you're only consultant, your job is to help make sure that they have people in their circle. And what you want to be as a parent is you want to be a person that they will consult so you have a say in who they put in the boardroom of their life. Why is this important? You already know this is because a better circle provides a better experience. The quality of your circle increases the quality of your child's life, their choices, and their direction. Ecclesiastes chapter four tells us what we already knew. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can anyone keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There is going to come a time in your child's life where they are going to fall down, where they are going to be cold, and they are going to have to defend themselves. And we as parents want to put enough people in the boardroom, the kind of people that will help them when they fall down, keep them warm when they are cold, and not abandon them when they need someone to fight for them. And the way we do that is make sure that we behave ourselves in the boardroom of life. And here is sometimes what happens is you look at your kid's boardroom and you know you have a seat at the table. You know that when you're sitting in the boardroom, like you had a seat at the table. In fact, they're used to just, you used to be the only seat. But over time, there were more seats added. And while you're in the boardroom and still trying to operate as a controller instead of consultant, you've misbehaved. Uh, let me put it this way. Uh, parents, when you start fighting, your kids start asking themselves, do I want you in the boardroom? The way you speak about their stepmom or their stepdad impacts whether or not they want you to be in the boardroom. 
how you treat the kids that they are inviting into the boardroom of their life. You know what ends up happening is over time, uh, you used to be sitting right next to him, and they've slowly pushed you down, and you find yourself far away from where the decisions are made in the boardroom. You still have a right to a seat, but they're not listening to your voice anymore. And they start looking for other people to fill your seat because you didn't manage the control. That is why you need people in your circle, in your boardroom, who will guide and direct you. We need 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 kind of people in the boardroom of our life. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and, everybody say this word, disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with, yeah, keep going. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for, should I read that part again? For all you divorced parents out there, step-parents out there, angry, ticked-off people out there, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. You need to be in the circle, and you need to be stopping people. Don't pay back wrong for wrong. Be patient with everyone. Encourage the disheartened. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. If you're in the boardroom and you're trying to do what's good for you, you're not the kind of board member your kid needs. And if you don't have people on your board who are telling you what is good for everyone else, not for you, you have got the wrong people in the boardroom of your life. And as your child ages, they're going to start filling in seats, even if you do everything right. You'll be driving down the road, and you'll hear them say something. You'll be like, where did, where did you hear that? Well, Bob says. Okay. What else does Bob say? Okay. I don't think that's right, man. I mean, you know, is Bob a doctor? Okay. I don't think so. I mean, I think he's seven. He wore different colored shoes on to school the other day. I don't know if we should be trusting him. They'll say something else. They'll be like, where did you hear that? Becky. Okay. Yeah, and Becky knows lots of things, Dad. Does she? And what you want to say? Is, Becky's an idiot. <laughs> Becky's trash. Like, we don't, we don't want to listen to Becky anymore. But you know what you end up saying? Oh, that's cool. She sounds, she sounds fun. <laughs> Parents, track with me. Because if you go off on Becky, well, how did that work for you when you were growing up? When your parents tried to isolate you from somebody, did it make you want to leave them alone or did it make you want to be around them even more? How you handle the boardroom matters. How you shift out of control and into consultant matters because it works both ways. Because parents, there's going to come a day when you all have been saying the exact same thing over and over and over again to your kid and they won't listen to a word of it. And then one coach will just say it in passing after practice and your kid will come home like they've had an epiphany. Right? I've got a friend in my life, I, you know, I've been navigating stuff with him, and I've been given good, solid advice, hasn't been listening to a word of it. I called up somebody that we both respect, said, hey, would you call this person? They're like, sure. 
they call my friend, they give my friend the exact same advice that I've been given. My friend calls me and says, hey, I just talked to so-and-so, and they had some really great insights on how I should navigate this. <laughs> Hold on. Parents, do I want my kids to get the right advice and listen to it, or do I want them to give me credit for it? I want them to get the right advice and follow it. Who cares who gets the credit? I just want them to have the right people in the circle, that they have wise counsel in their circle. And that's why we as a church want to partner with you. We want to help you fill out your kid's circle in the circle of your kids. We want to make sure that they have difference makers and mentors and life group leaders that will all play, play a huge role in the spiritual development of you and the spiritual development of your child. My parents did this with me on multiple occasions. They put older people that I thought were cool in my life to make sure that I was getting good counsel reinforced. We were so thankful for our daughter Kennedy who had difference makers and, and small group leaders make an investment in her life when she was going through her junior, junior and high school years. I love it that some of the coolest people on planet earth to my kids are people who call this church home. My, parent, my kids, are my boys, they're still old enough that they wanna be me when they grow up. Um, it was only like two years ago, like up until two years ago, they thought I was the strongest guy in the world. And then I took them to CrossFit and they met Sam Dancer. And they're like, Dad, I don't think you can beat him up. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think so either, okay? They're like, Dad, you should arm wrestle him. I'm like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. You know, and they asked me the day before, can you pick up a car? I'm like, at, at a, like one car at a time? Yeah, I probably. And then the next day they're like, do you think you could arm wrestle Sam? And like, if you haven't seen Sam Dancer's arms, um, they're thighs, okay? And it's like, oh, but my kids still want to be me, but I know the day's coming. And I love it when they start, when I'm picking them up and I'm driving them home and they're talking about some of the cool things that people who call this church home are saying to them. That when they come in here, they're looking for other grown men to give high fives to that are following the Lord. We need to make sure that we are putting the right people in their circle. Just so you know, let me give you a little insight secret. We ask all of the difference makers at our church to pick a service to serve. So that way when your kid comes to church, they will regularly see the same person who will be making a strategic investment in them every single week. So they're not having like their spiritual leaders rotated out, but they'll have the same person reinforcing what we're teaching at home. That's why camp is so important, because it gives them more time with a circle. That's why regular church attendance is important, because it reinforces principles, and it gives them plenty of time with a circle. Because every circle needs to challenge them. A good circle will never leave you where you are. It will accept you and it will love you, but it will also love you enough not to leave you there. Proverbs 27 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I'm not saying that your circle shouldn't comfort you because we can't neglect what it says in Galatians chapter six. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. But I am saying that your circle should push you. Look what it says in Proverbs 19 verse 20. Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. We as a church are not gonna delay spiritual maturity. We do not need to put off challenging and pushing each other and our kids in the area of spiritual growth. We don't get everything right, and so we are gonna need people to coach us and help us navigate the challenges of life. 
Um, you heard me talk about this on Super Bowl weekend. We've been in the process of revamping our zero to 18 ministries, and we've been rolling stuff out at all of our different locations. And one of the changes we've made, and this might not seem like a big deal to you, but it's a huge deal to us. For the longest time, we've called zero to 18 this our uh, next gen, next generation. We tried to shorten it up so it'd be hip and cool, and you know, you might go eh. But uh, we've actually changed uh, what we're calling zero to 18 ministry. It's no longer uh, next gen. We're calling it this gen. Because they're not next, they're now. They're facing challenges right now and they need to be equipped to lead now. We're not raising up leaders just for tomorrow, we are gonna raise up leaders for today. We want them to be prepared to make a difference. We want them ready to handle their faith at an early age. We wanna make sure that they are equipped to be the right kind of kids that you want in your kids' circle. We want them to be empowered to be in somebody else's boardroom at an early age. And being in a circle takes commitment. And sometimes it goes unnoticed and sometimes it's unappreciated. And this week we want to challenge you at all of our different locations to take some time. We've got thank you cards at the steps at many of our locations. Some of them will have them at an info bar. But what we want you to do is we want you to come up and we want you to grab um, some crossing thank you cards and some envelopes. And this week we want you to write some thank you cards to the circle makers in your life and in your kids' life. Because there are people who have been making sacrifices on behalf of you and on behalf of your kids, and it goes unnoticed and unthanked on a regular time. And as, as a church, we want to make sure that they know that we noticed and we are thankful and we recognize all the love and care that they've been providing. Maybe it's a teacher who's uh, loving your kid well through a difficult time. Maybe it's a difference maker at one of our locations. Maybe it's a life group leader who's been pouring into you and helping you navigate some of the challenges. We want them to know we love them, we're thankful for them, and we care about them because being in a circle is sometimes a thankless job. I said this earlier, I am always impacted every single week by the number of grandparents I see bringing their grandkids. They could have checked out and bought a home in Florida and just enjoyed the warm weather indefinitely. But instead of buying, you know, their retirement car, they just got another beat up minivan so that they can be there for their grandkids. And I love that they haven't checked out. In fact, they checked in. They didn't just check in. Some of them are doubling down. And I want you to know I am thankful for you. And I know that you don't get all the thank yous that you wish you got from your kids, but I notice. And it matters. Now hear me, this sermon is not just for your, of you about your kids. This sermon is about you and about who is in your circle And whose circle are you in? And what kind of board member are you being? And what kind of board member you want to be? And I know we're at church, um, and I told you that this sermon was going to be a little bit different. But let me tell you something. I firmly believe that you will never be the parent, the grandparent, the board member, the circle maker that you want to be until you put Jesus Christ in the chairman's seat of the boardroom of your life. I've said this multiple times. I don't know if other campuses get to hear it. I say it a lot here at 48th Street when I'm landing the plane. But the best decision that I ever made was making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. My biggest regret is that I didn't do it sooner. Because there's not a situation that I face, there's not a problem I have to navigate, there's not an experience that I'm gonna have that he is not perfectly and flawlessly equipped to lead me through. And I know you're going, but Clayton, 
uh, that might be great for you, but I'm actually navigating some real challenges. And I just need you to know, Jesus, he's really stinking smart. Like he came up with life. Like he invented all of this. You haven't invented anything. He's smart. But Clayton, I'm dealing with people who uh, wronged me. Just throwing this out there. Uh, he's navigated that too. But, but Clayton, I'm going through uh, some really challenging circumstances. I need you to know uh, he went through some pretty challenging circumstances too. Uh, the Bible says he was tempted in every way. The difference between you and him is when he went through challenging circumstances, he didn't sin, not even once. But Clayton, I've got people in my life who abandoned me. Yeah, he, he went through that. Well, I, I'm going through and navigating some circumstances because I had people abuse me and hurt me. And Jesus would tell you, yeah, I've been there too. Clayton, I've had people betray me and leave me all alone. And I need you to hear me say this. Jesus went through that too, but he went through it perfectly. He went through it in such a way where he didn't lose his character. He didn't abandon who he was. In fact, through that process, he redeemed you and me. That's one of the things I love about Jesus is he left his privilege in heaven and came to identify with my poverty here on earth. He stepped into my situation to redeem my situation. He gives me the perfect example of how to love my family and how to make a circle and how to navigate each and every circumstance. I am firmly and fully convinced that you will never live the life that you were designed to live until you make Jesus Christ the chairman of your board, the director of your path, the shepherd of your life. And I believe that it is only after you do that that everything else has the opportunity to be made right. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That until we get that decision right, we'll never make every other decision the way it's supposed to. I told you this sermon is not just for those of you who are parents and grandparents. This sermon is for everyone because when you get that seat fixed, when you put Jesus there, everything else has a chance. I want you to think about that as we move to this time of decision. So uh, I know this sermon was weird, so I appreciate you guys kind of tracking with me. Hopefully it kind of gave you some, some ways to, some terminology to kind of put in your parenting and in your life. And some of you right now, I just want you to really evaluate, is, is Jesus in the chairman's seat? Is he where he's supposed to be? Because for some of us, uh, we've never started that intimate personal relationship with Jesus. And for one reason or another, uh, you've watched other people do it. You've seen other people get baptized. And you've gone, man, that looks like it's great for them. I just don't know if it'll work for me. And I just need you to know it will work for everybody. Because Jesus isn't a savior for some. He's a savior for all. Which means he's a savior for you. The issue... The issue for you is you're, you're going, but Clayton, um, I've, got, I've got a lot of challenges. I've got a lot of uphill things I'm navigating. And if I can get these things figured out first, then maybe. And I just need you to know the answer to that question is a resounding no. You don't get your life fixed and then find Jesus because he's a savior. 
You don't save yourself and then start your relationship with him. You recognize that you need a savior and he comes and he rescues. The crazy thing about Jesus is he made the first move. He came on your behalf before you ever messed it up. And if you're willing today to ask those questions and maybe you're going, you know what, I wanna talk to somebody about it. In just a few moments when the people around you stand up and maybe as they come to the steps to pray or to grab cards, uh, you'll make your way over by the baptistry and there'll be somebody there who wants to talk with you about what that looks like and how to start it. To the rest of you in the room who already have a relationship with Jesus, I wanna encourage you to do a couple of things. One, would you come up here and would you get down on your knees and would you pray over your kids? Pray over your grandkids. Pray that you would be a better, a better circle maker, a better circle contributor. And while you're down here, would you pick up some of these thank you cards and that we would be the kind of people that say thank you to the circle makers in our lives. I know some of us have a brand new appreciation for teachers after having to kind of pseudo homeschool our kids during the pandemic. Like I know we got frustrated at teachers, like, oh man, you know, they want more money and they want their summers off. And we like did like two days of virtual schooling and we're like, forget this, give them as much money as they want and get my kid back in the school. I am not doing this. Yeah, maybe we should love them a little bit more. Maybe we should say thank you for putting up with stuff. I've never heard a parent go, man, I just wish summer would just keep coming. I love it. Like usually by the end of June, they're like, when is school starting? Is it starting next week? Oh, August. I have to make it from now till August. Okay. Maybe we should send some thank you cards to teachers. Maybe we should send some thank you cards to principals and superintendents who I'm guessing, just throwing this out there, I bet their year hasn't been super easy. I bet the last two years have been challenging and maybe Christians should be known for our thanks, not just our critiques. Maybe we should go, hey, I see you and I'm thankful for you. Thank you for the investment that you're making in my kid. Maybe there's people who are difference makers here at our church that serve selflessly. You see their face every single week, but you don't know their name. And they are serving in the midst of their pain and their own struggle, but they're still making time to invest in your child. Here at The Crossing, we don't offer childcare. We offer spiritual environments for kids to develop an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They are training your kid while you're in here being trained, and maybe we should tell them thank you. But maybe more than anything, we should get down on our knees and say, God, help me navigate, help me navigate, help me navigate the transition from control to consultant. Because that's how he's operated with you. Does God control you? Could he? Yeah. But does he? No. Does he have all the answers? Yeah. Has he given you his word? Yeah. And does he pick up the messes that you make by your own free will? Yeah. How good is our God? Maybe we should follow his example. Would you stand with me? God, use this moment right now, use this time right now to bring about a change in every heart and every life in this room and watching online. God, use us to draw uh, people closer to you. Use us to draw better circles, stronger circles. And God, as parents and grandparents get down on their knees and we pray and lift up our kids and our grandkids, Meet us in this moment. Sear it into our hearts. In your name I pray, amen.